You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily but not daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone's doing well and happy Thursday. As I teased out on Twitter, we've got another guest in the house, first time guest and a debutante to the Locked On Marlins podcast. It is, well, a fish stripes goat. Uh, It is a media mogul now, absolutely an ascending star. It is Kevin Brrrral. Roll those R's, Eli. Kev, how you doing? Good, man. I'm excited to be on. I, I can't wait. For First time. I think it's the first time we talked since you destroyed me in the uh, Marlins Twitter madness, but we'll get into that later, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was the thinking with this one. Uh, we, you know, we won't dig into that in too much depth, but what is, we finished trade season. So myself and Sean have absolutely rattled through that eight episodes worth. And the next mini series, you know, I love a mini series. The next mini series is the hashtag Marlins Twitter madness. And this is part one. So I'm going to be spending time the next week or two effectively talking to the guys that I faced off with, not because I want to gloat, but just it's a great opportunity to have some conversations with some different guys. And we met in the first round. Um, I must say you, you're just segueing into this section now, but the hype video you fired up, mate, I loved it. It was very, <laughs> it was very P Pratt, like, you know, 60 second rundown vibes I was getting from it. I love that from you, Kev, for sure. But yeah, I tried my best. I tried. Yeah, it was a I lot of fun. Know- when Alex when Alex Carver showed us the bracket, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's over. Yeah, it was a tough I'm, one. I love the others, you know. Yeah. It was it was great though. Great little, um, you know, just something fun for a, like a week or so where we all just you know had something on Twitter to do that was fun. Yeah, that's uh, what I was like telling Alex that uh, this this really brought us together. This lockout hasn't been too fun. You know, now we got the nope. news that we'll get into later, but. Yeah, no, this definitely brought all of Marlins Twitter together. And the Fish Stripes website, I don't know if you noticed, but it was just crazy campaigning for all the Fish Stripes guys. I saw. And, and Isaac, I think, made it the farthest. So yeah, good for him. And he lost to you, and you'll probably uh, get him on at some point. But yeah. yeah, Isaac will be on next week, I think. So we'll we'll get into him. Uh, we've got Mike B's lined up as well. Um, need to try and sync up with, uh, with Jess Blaylock as well. Uh, mm-hmm. She's kind of still kind of pretty busy at the moment with the hockey vibe um, and the uh, the Panthers, but and then ideally we'll f- we'll wrap it up with Jeremy Tache probably either next week or the week after. Just that was where my mm-hmm. Marlins Twitter bracket ended, yeah. but um, and the King Jeremy Tache obviously went to take down Craig Mish, which yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, so what we got in store for everyone today? There's I think three major topics we record today, and this goes out on Thursday. And what is happening today? There's a meeting. There's actually a meeting happening between the owners and the union to, I guess, from what we understand, it's going to be some proposals made by the owners around some economic conditions, let's describe it as. So we're going to get into that, talk about that in general. We're also going to spend some time talking about the Brian Flores news that dropped a few days back, which I think caught everyone off guard. And we're going to use that to segue into Don Mattingly. So that's going to be another topic we're going to talk about. And then finally, we're going to wrap up. You had a recent article out talking about Brian Anderson uh, mm-hmm. on fishstripes.com. So we're going to spend a bit of time just kind of wrapping up on that one, understanding where your head's at, where my head's at on, on BA. And that's going to probably um, wrap us up. So that's the plan. Um, let's start with this CBA meeting. There is a meeting. So yeah. 
that's a positive sign. Kev, where's just without without the meeting itself, let's kind of go backwards. Just where's your head at with all this kind of CBA business in terms uh, of how it's how it's being handled and what we're seeing from you know as fans of the game. You know, I've been the most informed on the CBA stuff, but I definitely know that both sides need to come to disagreement. And, you know, this reminds me a lot about the 2020 season, how uh, it took such a long time to get the season going. And, you know, I, I think both sides, it looks like they really do hate each other, but in a way they have to come to this agreement. Mm-hmm. The players need to get what they want as well as the owners, but the sides are, it's, it's just such different opinions on both sides that at the end of the day, this, this is good. This is good that they're getting a meeting. This is the step forward that they finally said, all right, you know, let's talk because what, what, what was it a month without them talking that that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't, this means that we could get a, a deal in the next couple of hopefully weeks. I say February, in my opinion, I think that's what Eli said as well. Um, so, so yeah, definitely, definitely a good step forward and a lot to get from there once these meetings go on and then we'll find out more. Hopefully it's more than seven minutes. That's what we all hope. <laughs> there you go. Cause the last meeting, the last time they actually got together face to face, I believe this is a video session that they're having. So it's not actually face to face that may help. I don't know, but the last time they were face to face, seven minutes it lasted, and uh, that was the end of it. Um, which isn't a good sign. That clearly, uh, the the players didn't like what they were hearing, uh, or maybe the owners didn't. I, I'm not sure who actually walked out on that one. But let's. What's your what's your thoughts? Over under on the seven minutes. We're assuming this I, one's going to last longer, right? I think it'll go over. Obviously, they have to propose a deal and all yeah. that. So, and the good thing is, during the last time that meeting happened, I think it was during the Jacob Stallings trade. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe maybe a bomb there drops some news rumors. I don't know. You know, you never know what could happen. But yeah. yeah, and I think what we heard last time through the meetings was that there was a DH proposed on for the National League. I think on the owners' end from the statement that came out right before the lockout. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy about that. But free agency is another big thing. The time that the player needs to uh, become a free agent, the arbitration that's, that's that all is included in the CBA as well as an extra playoff spot, which for us Miami hmm. Marlins fans and media members know that is really good for the Marlins and very much needed as it helped us out in 2020 so yeah well well summarized there's a lot of topics I think that's when when you talk it through and I think this is at the heart of the matter is there's so many topics that are that have yet to be agreed and I think that's the problem and I think that's the worry as fans uh is that there's just so much that's unresolved it'll take so long to reach an agreement and and when I listen to the players talking in the last couple of weeks, their mindset is this isn't a deal for us. This is a deal for the future type of situation. And I feel like they're willing to almost sacrifice themselves to get a deal done for the good of the union in the future. Mm-hmm. So that says to me that they're going to want resolution on the majority of these topics. So I, I think we need to strap ourselves in. I know you said February and, and Eli, Eli Sussman is also saying February for a deal. I think that's best case. That is absolutely best case, in my opinion. Well, I guess, I mean, best case. I mean, imagine they, they have this meeting today and yeah. we come out and we get, yeah, we've we've reached the the framework for an agreement. Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> imagine that. That would, that would make everyone's day, especially yeah. now that we'll get baseball back in that hot stove that we that we very much missed because that was a that was a great time. We'll get it back and then we'll see guys like Chris, Chris, um, Oh my God, what's Chris Bryant sign? We yeah. may get Kyle Schwarber on the Marlins, you know, a nice little trade. There's so, so much to talk about. There's, you're right. And just before we got into the lockout, how fun was it as a fan, as a media guy, just covering and tracking all that action? It was just like, it was a deadline, a trade deadline, 
but it was a lockout deadline effectively and it created yeah. this this is you know a real fun period yeah first time the marlins made moves on the positive yeah. end you know yeah. jacob stalin great catcher best defensive catcher in the league i won't get too much into him but mm-hmm. then we get avi garcia on a four-year deal 53 million i think a little bit too many years but Hey, it's still a good player, and the Marlins got a player that they wanted. At the end of the day, that's the guy who they were targeting along with Starlin Marte, who mm-hmm. unfortunately didn't return to Miami, but he was offered a good deal. I don't just not gonna get more into that because I know you've covered this, but mm-hmm. he, he should have gotten that deal from the from the time of the trade deadline before he got dealt. But yeah, and then Sandy, Sandy's back. This is that was incredible. But I think what everyone did was have Craig Mish notifications on. We had um John Heyman, we had all these people that from MLB Network that weren't really active at the time on Twitter, just all of a sudden ramp up and you see Joel Sherman, John Morosi. We got the Pablo trade rumors, Eliezer. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a good time. And then we got Max Scherzer to the Mets, unfortunately for us. We have to see him <laughs> now a lot more along with Jacob DeGrom. We saw that mega deal with Noah Syndergaard going over to the Angels. I think a little bit of an overpay, in my opinion, 20, mm. 25 million for one year, I think it what it was. A lot there. And then we got the Justin Verlander deal, which didn't get finalized. But the funny thing is it got finalized during the CBA lockout. So yeah, there's obviously something going on there. <laughs> I'm with you. Wild scenes. I even forgot about that Verlander situation. You're right. Yeah. It was reported that the deal was done and then didn't actually get confirmed. And then, yeah, it lockout. Finalized. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, wild scenes. Listen, we'll, we'll kind of segue into some other topics shortly. But one final one. Listen, the Marlins, they do need, they do need at least one additional power bat that's what's being reported is there's at least one other dude on the way if it's you where do you think they go what who do you think that name is that ends up being a marlin for 22 Uh, this this has been mentioned a lot now obviously i don't know what the center field market looks it's not the best Mm. kyle shorba was a big name mentioned i don't think brian reynolds comes i don't think mullins comes i'm sorry Mm-hmm. I, my, I'm a big prospect hugger. Uh, I love these prospects <laughs> a lot. There's some out, obviously, don't mind dealing away if it's for a big time player. I like to tell Marte he could play center field, but a name that I haven't heard too much Teoscar Hernandez from the mm-hmm. Blue Jays. Miami Blue Jays, they have a lot of connections. The, the Jonathan VR trade, there's been a lot of talks about Eliezer and Pablo. Deal Pablo on a good prospect to Toronto. Maybe you could get yourself the catcher, um, the Kirk. The catcher Kirk, mm-hmm. and then Kirk Alejandro, and then you could get yourself a Teoscar Hernandez, or maybe you, you, you make it work. But I'm between Teoscar and uh, Scherz and Schwarber, who before coming into Miami was the hottest hitter in baseball, if you remember this. I remember. And then after he became one of the best hitters in baseball, the man, he, he went off at Lone Depot Park. Obviously, there's Nick Castellanos, but I don't know if that's going to happen. It's very doubtful. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a team like the Padres could really go out and grab him. You can maybe see him go back to the Reds where he had a great season. His home and away splits tour are completely different. Mm-hmm. He bats incredibly in away ballparks and in, or the other way around, my bad. He bats incredibly in Cincinnati and then away. It's not the greatest. Those are some other guys we could consider. But at the moment, the guy I really want is Teoscar Hernandez. He could fake it at center field as well. Before George Springer, um, you know, came back in the lineup, it was Teoscar Hernandez at center field. And he did a pretty damn good job. So definitely someone who you should consider bringing in yeah i like it uh, there was talk of that a few weeks back i definitely saw some tioska chatter going on but yeah. in the end um yeah you know, there's just so many different ways they can go about it and it's just like tioska is going to be expensive clearly um yeah. and it's like can they can they make it work with a free agent can they go and make something happen so they have to give away prospects i don't know it's just going to be really intriguing to see what the Marlins do we know yeah that they have to do something. They absolutely yeah. need to do more. They've done what they've done is great. You've summarized that already. And 
but they th- there needs to be at least one more piece for sure. Not only that, they still haven't addressed the bullpen. And oh boy, know, <laughs> there's this one name I got. It, it, it's not the flashiest name, but Andrew Chafin. This guy okay. was really good in Oakland. You could get him on a minor league deal, maybe a little bit more, because this guy is going to be lights out if you bring him on. You know, he he was dealt from Chicago to Oakland during the trade deadline, and in Oakland he was incredible. I, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've seen them many times. And the other guy I really wanted was Larry Garcia. Mm-hmm. You know, these under non-known names, but Larry was really good. Reminds me of a John Birdie. Um, I think a lot better than John Birdie. He played every, he pretty much plays uh, the whole infield as well as the outfield. He doesn't play first or catcher, but you could have thrown him in center field because I really don't want uh, Avi Garcia in center field. He's a big muscular guy, not too yeah. quick. Maybe maybe we see um, John Birdie come back and play center field. I don't know. It's, it's going to be weird. Brian De La Cruz is on this team, but reminds me a lot of a Peyton Burdick. Why have Burdick if you have De La Cruz? I think you would have to choose between one or the other. I think at most I see Burdick as a fourth outfielder. Although, man, Burdick could be really good in the, in the major leagues once he comes up. I think he'll come up at some point this year, but we'll probably get into that at some point. Yeah, for sure. All right. This, I mean, this, the, the main takeaway is there's just – so much to do still. The bullpen, as you called out, is 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 for sure unfinished and untouched. And Kim yeah. called that out before the lockout to say it's not been the priority last season. So the last off season, it was. They absolutely went bang, bang, bang and sorted out the bullpen immediately. They've gone the other least, way this time. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. They got guys in that... I mean, most of them worked out okay. I mean, we don't want to yeah. go off too much. But, I mean, clearly the, the hype video, Anthony Bass, I mean brought in as the closer and didn't get one save. I mean, that, for me, is one of the wildest stats out there. It's complete, it completely shocks me that, that Anthony Bass didn't get one save, was given all the opportunity, but and, didn't make it happen. And a funny story is he's the first player I've ever interviewed. Right after he signed with Miami, I shot him a DM. I was like, yeah. hey, man, you want to get this interview? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. It's, yeah. I'll send you the link to it at some point, but it, it was a good interview. I think I cursed him, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully he has a good bounce back 2022. He really yeah, for sure. He's a great guy. Great guy off the field. Exactly. Listen, you know, he's he, he engages on Twitter. He is the union rep for the U.S. players as well, I believe. So Miggy is the Spanish union rep, but um, Spanish speaking, sorry. But Anthony Bass is is the, the U.S. or English speaking uh, rep. So listen, you know, he's, clearly he's a, a clubhouse guy. Uh, players respect him. Yeah. And actually, he found himself a role, but it, the closing role, it just didn't work for him. So we need to rethink that one. Um, it's still, you know, it's relatively small money in the grand scheme. But, you know, let's let's hope he does have a bounce back. I put out there saying it wouldn't shock me if he does. And he ends up, you know, getting 10 plus saves next year. Yeah. It, would, it totally wouldn't shock me for some way baseball really works. Hoping, yeah, I'm really hoping he does, man, because the, the, the critics really went at him. He was critiqued. Heavily, I, I I could definitely be one of those to say I, I shit on Anthony Bass, but man, if you could get back and come have a big time season next next year, that would be incredible. Yeah. Especially since you know we, we expect to compete in twenty twenty two. It looks like that'll happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we, we've we've heard it from Craig Mish. There's pressure, and and we'll get into that once we talk about Donnie because yeah, it, it has a lot to do with him. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Well, let's get into Donnie shortly. Before we get there, well, the question to you, Kev, is, you know, have you got any New Year's health resolutions? Are you on the health kick? Are you down the gym? We'll, we'll, we'll probably start at some point, but yeah, yeah, we'll get into that for sure. <laughs> All right, good. Well, for those that are making these resolutions, getting down the gym, of course, I have to tell you about Built Bar. It is the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. 
It makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes good. You'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky, waxy, or yep, my favorite, tastes like a chemical spill. So, what flavors have we got? So many. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. So many more. Get yourself over to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. That gets you 15% off your order. Reminder, that's at Built.com. Promo code LOCK15. Built.com. All right, Kev, let's get into this one now. We, you know, big news. Big, big news, not in the baseball world, but in the in the Miami world, in the Florida world. And I can see right behind your shoulder, no, you know, this isn't a visual yeah. uh, episode, but I can see behind you, there's a Dolphins banner up there. Huge news, Brian, Brian, why can't I say Brian? Brian Flores, he was let go after three years in charge, right, with the Dolphins. And for me, it was a shocker. I'm not a Dolphins fan, I know you are. So just give me your initial take on that news um, you know, and also now you've had a few days to reflect. Has anything changed after the knee-jerk reaction, whatever that may be? Yeah, it was definitely surprising. Uh, I know Jay Glazer of the NFL Fox. He he was showing us a uh, he was showing on t- a TV uh, a graphic, and it was safe out in time will tell. Brian Flores was at safe, but he said there's rumblings about it, mm. and I didn't take any of anything about it because Brian Flores took this team back-to-back winning seasons. I think the last time that occurred was 2003. So it's been a pretty damn long time. The Dolphins were actually good for back-to-back years. Brian Flores also took this team from one and seven to a seven-game win streak, ending it off at eight and one. One game, one win away from the NFL playoffs, which isn't easy to do. It would have been the first team, I think, in NFL history to start one and seven and then be in the NFL playoffs and mm-hmm. possibly even hosting a home game if if the if the if the analytics and if all that prediction stuff aligned right for the Dolphins and the game went right, they would have made the playoffs and hosted a home game at Hard Rock Stadium. But unfortunately, Brian Flores did get fired. It was, And when you look at um, Stephen Ross's uh, press conference, it really seemed like it was on the communication effort. I don't think there's any issues on the field. I think what occurred was there's not enough communication. It seemed like Brian Flores did not want Tua, maybe wanted Herbert over Tua, which that would have been pretty nice. But we'll get <laughs> Tua is a big reason why I think Flores was fired. Um, it sucks. I, I really like Flores. He brought these guys together. They were playing for him a lot. Uh, one big moment I think we could all remember was last season, 2020, the Cincinnati game where he stood up for his teammates. He went out there. Uh, and, and you look at it, Chris Greer is also a big reason. I'm surprised he didn't get fired, but it, it had to be either the coach or the GM. It couldn't have been both. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Ross chose the coach. There's a lot of candidates to go to in, to go into, but I, I want to get your take on this for sure. It was, a, it was a wild one for me. I, I've always admired Brian Flores. I really have. I think he looks like a real nice coach. I don't follow it as closely as, as, as you or you know, probably many of the listeners here, but I've always admired him. I feel like he's the type of coach that would inspire me. I'd want to play for him, which I think is exactly what you need in the NFL for sure. Um, and I think head coaching, and this is a topic we're going to segue into shortly when we talk about Donnie and, and managing baseball teams. But the impact I think I think a head coach can have in the NFL is is drastic. You can see how teams literally can 180 on with it with a change of coach. Like it, they have that big of an impact. And so for me, I, I find it a wild decision. But I think reflecting on things, clearly, it, I don't think it was a performance related element. I think there's just a relationship breakdown. And in yeah. the end, Flores is has gone. So I don't know the ins and outs of, of why, but clearly it's a relationship thing. 
and the Dolphins, they go on, right? I mean, it's been a wild season for them. Like you said, one and seven and then went on a big run. I mean, on Twitter, all you get is this wild tour cesspool <laughs> during every game. Um, yeah. and, and all, I mean, the Dolphins, it was clear, going into the year, this is my take as a Rams fan, going into the year, they had no offensive line and a very young quarterback, limited amount of weapons, they added some, and, well, it played out, he had no offensive line, it's the worst offensive line probably there's ever been, it's been absolutely oh, terrible, definitely. so... For the Dolphins and Tua to do what they did, winning record with the what they had, uh, I I find it crazy that this and, is the position. But and you talk about one eighty, uh, a one eighty change. This team in Brian Flores' first season started off zero and seven, considered the worst team ever in the NFL, and they finished off five and eleven, riding back with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just was the leading rusher overall that season which just says a lot <laughs> how bad the run game for the dolphins was how bad this offensive line is and then you go into 2020 two was the guy no it starts with uh, ryan fitzpatrick he takes him on a huge run and then all of a sudden he gets benched for two which may have cost us possibly maybe a run to the playoffs but mm. man you you gotta think why wasn't chris greer fired after look at this offensive line the draft capital spent on this o-line was chris greer the, uh, the wide receivers, which the only good one right now is probably Devontae Park and Jalen Waddle, who set the, who has the most receptions for a rookie in a single season now, mm-hmm. passing Inquan Bolden. Pretty good, but besides that, you don't have much more. The run game is horrendous. Duke Johnson, you could have used him a lot more throughout the season when he first came into Miami, elevated off the practice squad. Um, it's just tough to see him go, man, but yeah. there's yeah. definitely a lot of good candidates, and I don't think Miami's going to go with the first-year head coach. There's obviously a couple guys I have in mind, but, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll wait and obviously. see. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you have Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah. He hasn't been offered a request to be um, interviewed, but the, what, the three guys that have been offered a request have been already Mike Mike McCarthy, I think is his name. He's not from the Cowboys. He's the offensive, um, offensive coach for the uh, 49ers. Definitely a good one. They call him a run game guru. So I would imagine maybe they bring a big time running back in. Maybe they draft one. There's a couple guys in the draft that seem pretty promising. Then you have Brian Dable, who I think I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of offensive coordinator for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with Tua 2017 national national title team. He was with Tua there. He he was a big he was the offensive coordinator for Bama. He had he has some Finns ties as well. Uh, as was Doug Peterson. He was a player. And then finally, the most recent one, which maybe the worst one, Dan Quinn, who was a coach for the Atlanta Falcons. He took him to the Super Bowl. He eventually lost 28-3, for the ones who remember. Mm-hmm. And then he was he he made that Dallas defense now as a defensive coordinator, one of the best defenses. But if you bring in him, it's pretty much bringing in Brian Flores 2.0. Yeah. I yeah. think you need to bring in an offensive-minded coach. The defense looks phenomenal, which is some, another credit to Brian Flores. And then finally, you have um, Byron Leftwich, who hasn't been offered, but I think he definitely should. He's the offense coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Definitely needs to be an option for the Dolphins as he won a Super Bowl. He's worked with Tom Brady, so it makes sense. I'm, I'm with Brian Leftwich or Doug Peterson. Yeah, plenty of options. Intrigued to see the way the Dolphins play it for sure. Um, but let's kind of transition across to the, the baseball side and the Marlins. And what I wanted to... You know, get pick your brains on really. You know, Don Mattingly is going to be entering his seventh season, seventh year as uh, as wow. Marlins um, manager in in twenty two. Obviously, they had this 
Looking back during the 21 season, the one thing that kind of just got dropped in there out of nowhere, I remember it specifically, Kim Ang on a broadcast just saying, oh, hey, yeah, we've uh, we've executed the, the option on Don Mattingly's contract, like middle of the game in July or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, looking back on that, Donny had a specific timeline and he wanted to know early um, that he it wasn't going to get to the end of the year and then they make a decision. So they made a call in July, you know, Got the, triggered the option. So Donny's in for a seventh year, seven yes. full years with Donny. When you when you look back at what you know what's happened, you know he came into that Marlins team that, that almost went five hundred in twenty sixteen, and then kind of again in twenty seventeen fell away a little bit, slightly below. And then obviously the sell off happened, and then you're into full blown rebuild mode. And you know obviously, but then. You know, sandwiched in there is, is 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 an over 500 season in 2020 in a shortened season albeit uh get through and win a playoff series obviously get knocked out by the Braves Don Mattingly wins manager of the year it was a sensational performance him and Mike Hill combined it was just sensational but how where do you sit on Don Mattingly are you a Don fan in terms of I don't mean well there's two bits to it there's three bits sorry Don the player Don the manager Don the person. There's those three elements. As a as a manager, where's your head at with Don Mattingly at the moment after six years? He's done a phenomenal job. You, you can't say he hasn't. Look at the team he started with and look what he has now. He won manager of the year, proving he was the best manager at one point in the MLB. Um, look at the staff he's brought in. James Rosen, this guy, uh, he was with the Twins, I think in 2019, best home run hitting team. Mel Stonemeyer, who's been with the Marlins for a while now, who was just extended as well uh, mm-hmm. right before this lockout. Look at Sandy. Look at Pablo. Look at Trevor. He's going to do wonders with Luzardo and Eddie Cabrera. I, I will definitely say that right now. Mm-hmm. And then look at Donnie, how he's been with the players. Everyone loves the guy. It seems like he's been really loved throughout the organization and highly respected as well. He's been here for a while. He's been through this whole rebuild, which is something that not many people do. Some, some either leave or get fired halfway through this rebuild. But Donnie's been through it all. He could definitely... If he were to get fired right now today, he would definitely have a coaching job already. Head coach, you know, manager job somewhere else. I, I'm a huge Donnie fan, but I will say this. This is his biggest year as a, as a head coach. You're moving into 2022. You have the pieces in line. You have you have a great starting pitching. You have the catcher issue already solved because I don't know who the backup is going to be, but I think it should be Nick Fortes, but it's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. You have your infield pretty much lined up. Your bullpen seems pretty good, but it's not as bad as many think. And then you have finally the outfield, which needs to get pretty much solved a little bit. I think it's that one more piece, get that center fielder that you need. Donnie has it all in play to get this team at least 75 to 80 wins. And if you add another big time player like Kyle Schwarber or whoever it is, you could take this team to the playoffs, especially in the CBA deal, which is key. They add this other playoff spot, which would be a wild card. And you know how well that does for teams, especially who are maybe a couple games under 500, like the Marlins could be. And another big thing is for Donnie. He needs to start this season off extremely well because it's not how you, it's not how you start. It's how you finish, obviously. But what, what hurt the Marlins a lot was how they started this season against Tampa, you know, especially injuries. But Donnie's a great manager, highly respected. He definitely needs to be on this team this next season. I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat, mm-hmm. but if things are going downhill – Craig Mish mentioned that there would be changes and maybe firing this firing Don Mandeline would be the change that we're, we're talking about. 
Oh boy. I mean, it's possible. I think his contract expires. So it means that there's no commitment beyond this year. If it goes sideways, it probably would feel like the right time to maybe make a make a change. Uh, where do you sit on the kind of James Rousen piece? Obviously, he's been with the organization a couple of years. The feeling that I get is that he's a very well-respected, highly regarded Definitely. guy. There's you know requests coming into him for you know different other opportunities that arise. Anyway, he's with the Marlins. So, do you see James Rousen being the kind of natural progression when Don decides? And they'll have the discussion, I guess, between them. You know. How long does Don want to carry on? What does he want to do, etc.? But let's say Don and the Marlins after this year, they decide to part. Is James Rousen the most likely candidate to kind of step in and fill that role? Yeah, I haven't really looked into outside people. Uh, you no. know, I, I looked mainly internally. James Rousen is definitely a guy who should be considered for that job. Mm. Uh, everyone loves him. I love him. He's a great guy. Uh, I know Isaac, who, who's been on the press conferences with him, says he's an incredible guy. He took over as manager at some point this season. I think it was Don because he had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was pretty good. It, it was a little bit, it's got a couple questionable moves. But besides that, that was his first run at it, and he did pretty well. Another name, I think, I you know, you like to blow people out of the water with these trades. I like to blow out of the water <laughs> with some other things. But Nelson Amaya Jr., why not consider him as a head coach, as a manager? He's been incredible. He's been really good. He's worked with the pitchers. He could bring in another pitching coach who would be incredible as well. And and I really do like Mel. Uh, Right now, I think obviously he's going to stay at at his position. But if Danny were ever to leave, internally, you could look at your third base coach, Alperrique. This guy uh, was the AAA manager with the Jupiter Ham, with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. He led him to an incredible season. I think it was 85 wins around there or 75. Uh, Very good. So he could definitely be considered. Many have seen, I've heard people say that he could even coach the Yankees if Aaron Boomer would get fired. So definitely a guy you could consider. But yes, we're talking James Rosen. He needs to be considered. He was almost a manager for the Red Sox in his first year with the Marlins. I think he was interviewed a couple of times, but Mm -hmm. obviously they decided to bring back Alex Cora and look how that's turned out. It's turned out well. So yeah, absolutely. James Rosen needs to be considered. He's highly respected and he could get this team where they needs to be, especially with, he was the hitting coach. So he knows a lot, you know, now you brought Eric Timms, who's a great co- hitting coach for the Yankees. You saw what they did a couple of years ago. So, yeah, yeah, I, I love James Rosen. He needs to be a manager at some point. I think it's a big year for everyone, not just Don, but James oh, Rousen. Definitely. You know, the, the problem we've seen is James Rousen's come in and, and the offensive production has been absolutely terrible. Like, it's one of those where you look at Mel Stoudemire and yeah. it's clear the impact he's having. From the outside looking in, I'm not seeing that direct impact that like the James Rousens, the hitting coaches are having on the offensive guys. So I, you know, not just for Donnie, but for James Rousen, I think there's a bit of pressure on him too. You know, can, can he turn, can he develop guys? Can we get the best out of them? Um, you know, that's, that's up for debate. We haven't seen it. It's been, it's been very poor offensively for a number of seasons now. Even even the year they made the playoffs, and yeah. in, in the short season, like it was, you know, it was manufacturing runs, wasn't it? It was base runners all over the show. John Birdie stealing home, like it wasn't, it wasn't the power hitting offense that you know, we saw in Minnesota. So I'm intrigued to see the way it plays out. And like you said, you got the the ex Yankees hitting coach coming in too, you know, shuffling the deck a little bit. I think Eric Duncan's moved into a slightly different role, more kind of analytical 
role. Yeah. So, you know, they've they've got a lot of good baseball minds in the building. And that's one thing I would say in this new ownership group, and I, I, I'm interested to get your take, is that it feels like they get off the field the right guys in. Elite guys that seem to make a lot of good calls is my take on it. What about you on that in terms of like the personnel that they're getting in? Definitely. And I don't know if you noticed the trend, but there's a lot of former Yankees on this Marlins. <laughs> there team is. Now. Eric Timms, Gary Denbo, Kim Eng, Derek Jeter, obviously. Then you have uh, Alter Rique, who's now the third base coach and mm-hmm. who was infield coach. Um, and then Donnie. They're, they're incredible baseball minds who know how to run this thing. They've had a lot of experience and especially winning experience. They know how to get into the playoffs. They know how that feels, especially if you're on the Yankees. Now, um, James Rosen also has playoff experience with the Twins. Not much because they mm. can't get out of the first round ever, but it's James Rosen. And then you have Mel Sonomar. I don't know where he came from. I'm not too quite sure on that right now, but he probably has a lot of experience. Maybe he's also a former Yankee. I'm not sure. But my, <laughs> the, Jeter and Sherman have definitely done a lot for this organization. And I don't know if you saw the article, but I did make one on how the, this whole rebuild has gone for the Marlins, you know, grading it. And there was a B plus because they've done a lot, but we're talking about Donnie and all these guys who have just been incredible and the players love it. That's what, that's what matters. If you have the players on your side, you have no issue running this team. And that's what it seems like up to the moment. And also offensive production really does rely on the type of player you bring in. And that stadium is extremely big. Mm-hmm. If you go in person, it's huge. Um, you had Isan Diaz, Lewis Brinson, Jorge Alfaro, who is it? Magnery Sierra taking at bats. And that was not good. And you couldn't yeah. get anything out of them. So, you know, and then you have guys like Miggy Rowe, Jazz, Jesus Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz, who's just come onto the scene. So definitely you have to recognize the player as well. But yeah, I, I could totally see your point. And you, they haven't been able to develop hitting. Although 2020 was a pretty good year when it came to that. Eric yeah. Duncan got a lot of praise, but this season 2021, yikes. It yeah, was, for sure. Bad. For sure. Well, before we kind of wrap up on this, just give me your and you may have already done this in this article you mentioned, but just give me a sense on the, the type of job that Kim has done so far, you know, just over a year into the role. How would you assess, you know, her performance thus far? You know, definitely not something I wrote much on the article, but, you know, looking through the year, it's been good. I mean, especially now in 2022, she assessed everything. I'm still surprised. Well, I, we'll talk about that now with BA, but a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with BA. She, mm-hmm. That was one, one of her first questions asked, well, what are you going to do with BA? But, She's done well. She's assessed the minor leagues. Look what they have now. They, they had Cam Meisner, one of the pure hitters in the minor leagues, fortunately traded for Joy Wendell. Yuri Perez. You have Yuri Cap. Um, who else? You have uh, six. Well, six still came in before her, but she she's brought in some players and, and definitely players who, who know what they're doing, which is in veteran players. Adam Simber, she, he came in through the Marlins. Eventually you got, unfortunately, Joe Panic, but <laughs> you got Luzardo. Something that definitely says a lot about the future for Kim is her her being able to extend guys. She extended Sandy on a very nice deal. Mm-hmm. And you were able to bring in other guys. What sucks the most was that she couldn't bring back uh Starlin Marte, although she did do her due diligence. And you could see that she's trying still to make more moves because she said it herself. She wants to address this bullpen and they're trying to win it now. She said it. If this process, I think what it was is if the prospect isn't ready for 2022 or 2023, he's getting traded. And I guess that's what they thought with Nicholas and Cam Meisner. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's okay. And Connor Scott as well, who also got dealt. But in drafting, look what they got. They got Khalil Watson, Joe Mack, 
those are incredible two pro, two incredible prospects. We did a we did a uh, Miami Marlins decades draft. Meet Aram and Isaac, and I took Mac in the third round, which a little bit too high, but I, I love the guy. <laughs> I think he's gonna be really good. Another trend isn't the best with high school catchers, but looking at Khalil Watson and all these guys and Cody Morissette, uh, Tanner Allen, there's there's so many guys who she's mm-hmm. brought in have been incredible. And then when it comes to the staff, you you bring Aaron Timms, who who knows how to work with home run hitting guys. Look at look at Stanton, Judge, Joey Gallo last season, uh, Anthony Rizzo. They weren't on the longest time with the Yankees. Luke Voigt, who turned out to be one of the best hitters in all of baseball at some point. And I think it was 2019 or 2020. Yep. Dot, dot, um, Kim has done an incredible job. She's going to keep doing it. Um, you know, once this lockout ends, I wouldn't be surprised if she brings in these very cheap type of contracts, like an Andrew Chafin, who I'm really high on to bring on this team. Hmm. It's not the flashiest name. It's a pretty fun, it's a, it's a funny name, but when you look at it, I, I think it needs to happen. Kim Eng has done a phenomenal job and especially outside of the community very well is very good job as well, which ties into Jeter and Sherman, what they've done out of the community. Which is which is just impeccable. You can't say she hasn't done a bad job because it's been incredible. Uh, you know, if I had to give it a grade at this moment, a B because she still hasn't addressed all the needs. Roster roster management throughout the season could have been a lot better. Bryson Brigman mm. should have been up. Mm. You could have maybe even flashed a couple of these other prospects. Laywin should have stayed up for a long time. You mm. should have gotten rid of the the bad players. Unfortunately, Eson, Mags, Lewis, uh, Alfaro. You have to give her an A plus for even being able to find a trade partner, but obviously <laughs> Cervelli is in San in San Diego, and there's mm-hmm. obviously ties to that. I, I could definitely say that's true, but yeah, and good job at the moment. I, I can't say much more. She's brought in the right pieces at the right time, and Avi Garcia is one she targeted as well as Starlin, and you see that they're willing to talk to these big name free agents. Look at Nick Castellano. She spoke to him at least. At least we got that report. You wouldn't have gotten that maybe with a Mike Hill or a Loria era that, oh, we're going to talk to Nick Castellanos and we're going to offer him the bag. No, but she did it this time around. She spoke to Marty. She made an actual offer this time, a good offer, because to be honest, it's the Mets. The Mets have all the money in the world. They got mm-hmm. Max Scherzer, um, Mark Cannon, who I really would have liked for the Marlins. Yep. Who's the other one? Eduardo Escobar, Escobar yep. and Marte. You can't compete against the Mets when it comes to money. So she's done a good job with what she has. Agreed. I, I I think I'm aligned with you on this one. When I look at assess Kim Kim's performance, the reality was 2021. It wasn't it wasn't her team, wasn't her roster. Like it and she was got just, Adam Duvall. Keep that in mind too. Yeah, for sure. There's there's plenty of nice moves. I guess the the thing that sticks out with Kim, the one mistake, the most glaring one is the missed opportunity with Marte. I think we we've all called that out. It is it is probably the biggest missed opportunity. But nevertheless, uh, there's been a lot of other nice moves they've made. And, and the Mate deal, I've, I still love. The, the return to get Lozada was a sensational deal. But when we look at it, if we were, you know, as Marlins fans to choose now, we know. What do we need? Do we need a lefty arm for the rotation or do we need a center fielder? We absolutely needed a center fielder, right? That's our, It's a burning need for the Marlins. So, yes, I love the return of Lozado, but not not executing, not going through that process and getting a deal done and effectively locking out everyone else. That was the problem. As soon as free agency arrived, that was the end of the Marlins' chance because one of the big money teams would have done it. But what they did pre-lockout, this is you know this is Kim's ship now. She has really run the show. What I've seen, mm-hmm. I've been really encouraged by. And last year, you're right, the roster, the 40-man was 
lopsided, completely lopsided. And I think you know the Marlins themselves, they knew the way the roster was constructed. They basically, they, they tanked last year as well. It was a tank again. As soon as they were out of contention, they full tanked it. And actually, that was just, you know, when you take a step back, it's what they had to do. Too many expiring deals go into tank mode. The roster wasn't set up right. This year, the pitching is ready to rock and roll. They've added the deals and there's more to come. I think we'll we'll look back at this offseason and go, wow, that was, that was Kim Ang's season for sure. So I'm excited to see what else there is. I know there's more to come and I know there's going to be a blockbuster. I absolutely know it in my bones that there will be a blockbuster that will drop and Marlins fans, MLB fans will go, wow, the Marlins mean some business and Kim Ang means some business. So I'm excited for that. And and although I said no Mullins, no Reynolds, it's obviously on the board. I don't think Reynolds, but definitely Mullins. Maybe I could tell Marte would be a little bit of a cheaper option. You could also look in the Teoscar Hernandez, who I've mentioned. Miami has so many ties to Toronto. They made the Griffin Co-9 trade. They made this trade in the past deadline. I think the Joe Panic trade. Yep. They have their, their trade ties. And Max Kepler, I don't know how much he's played center field, but they also have the ties there. Sergio Romo trade. And James Rosen came over. It makes a lot of sense. Miami's definitely going to pull a trigger, maybe even for a reliever we could see. Uh, maybe a Craig Kimbrell, who you mentioned. I don't think it'll be the mm. East sound for Kimbrell, but maybe <laughs> maybe a big time prospect in there you'll throw and, and they'll bite because they do need some starting pitching. So, yeah, maybe for sure. Looking there. All right, awesome. Well, we are going to round up in a second with a conversation by Brian Anderson. When And I think it's a, a good way to end because, like you said, for the Kim Ang era, that's where it started. I was on that, that media call where one of the first questions put to Kim was, hey, you're going to. Pay BA, if you remember, that was all the hashtag pay BA. So we're going to get into that in a sec. Uh, Before we get there, it is time to tell you about BetOnlineAG, of course. BetOnline, well, they want to wish you a happy new year first, a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs start next week and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 22. New year. New updated desktop mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50, that's 50, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On. it's all one word, Locked On, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 22. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, right. We're going to finish up with some Brian Anderson talk. You put an article out there looking at looking at Brian Anderson. Where do the Marlins go? Is it is he is it BA for the future? Is it do we move on? Where do we go? So I'll let you summarize your thoughts on it, and then we'll kind of get into where we think things end up with BA. Yeah, the the BA the BA situation is extremely interesting because mm-hmm. when I was making this article, you have to look at it from both sides. Why not keep BA? Well. The injuries, you know, you don't you don't have an you don't have a certainty where he could play. His shoulder injury could really change a lot for you. Maybe we could see him in right field. Maybe that'll do something. But then the contract, you don't know where this guy's future is. And as well, you don't have a lot of well, not coming to positive end, but you don't have a lot of out in infield depth in the minor league system when it comes to third base. You have a lot of shortstop depth. Watson, Nasim Nunez, Jose Salas. For many, say he should be a third baseman. I definitely agree. Then you have Joey Wendell. That it all it all pretty much looks into all right. Let's not keep Brian Anderson, but then you say, why could we keep him? Well, a lot of this young talent that I just mentioned, 
is at least three to four years, a couple of them, two years away from the big leagues. And I think maybe keeping Brian Anderson on some kind of a short-term deal, very cheap deal, maybe like a two-year, maybe the Miggy Rowe, the Miggy Rowe deal, two years, 20 million. Why not? Two years, 20 million, 10 million a year. And that's it. And then you have uh, a guy like Jose Salas, the cusp of the MLB, uh, Joey Wendell still playing well, who was an all-star. We have to keep in mind all-star yep. super utility. I like Brian Anderson, but I, I also had to look at some trade scenarios and mm-hmm. oh boy. all of them had to include BA. And I got your boy, J Ram, J Ram's in one of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you have the article up, but I included Dax Fulton, Nassim Nunez, Sixto Sanchez, Yuri Perez, and Brian Anderson in exchange for Jose Ramirez, which it's a haul. It's a boy, haul. Oh boy, that is huge. Just re- Kevin, just remind me of them. Who do we have in there? Dax Fulton, Uri Perez, Sixto, Nassim Nunes, and Brian Anderson. Oh, boy. Yeah. boy so oh in, boy. This, in this trade, Brian Anderson goes to the, in the, sorry, the Guardians, yeah. uh, and they got a replacement third baseman who's still very good. He knows how this, all, this whole rebuilding thing works. The, you, you have a little bit of a depleted farm system when it comes to terms of pitching. So you, you acquire Dax Fulton, um, Yuri, Yuri Perez, who's probably one of the best 18-year-olds out there when it comes to minor league guys. Mm-hmm. And then you have this guy, Sixto Sanchez, who has playoff experience, regular season experience, and probably will be your second or third pitcher in that rotation. I think I included Nick Neidert in that trade, actually, now that I think of it. I'm looking so, at it. You did. Nick Neidert was in there, too. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be another good rotation piece, much-needed pitching for a team like the um the guardians and then i included a matt chapman trade which is a low is a high risk high reward type deal Mm. because this guy just came off the worst season of his career and i think it was just dax nick nider and brian anderson nasim nunez in exchange for matt chapman which makes a lot of sense you're giving up big time prospects but you keep you keep meyer you keep eater you keep yuri you keep khalil i think that's the big time thing and this guy's won an mvp this guy at full potential, at you know, completely healthy, playing his best baseball. He was maybe the third or fourth best first third baseman in all of the MLB. You make that move to get deeper into contention, and that definitely takes you to good 80 wins, as well as the Jose Ramirez trade. That could take you to 80, 85 wins. You have that infield completely decked out with Lewin or Aggie at first, Jazz at short, Jazz at second, Miggy at short, and then you have Jose Ramirez at third base. And the stands will definitely get full with that one because you want to see J-Ram, Stallings, and Avi Garcia with a newly extended Sandy Alcantara in the mound, man. That, that, that would be a very good trade. But I obviously came to the conclusion, or unfortunately came to the conclusion that B.A. should stick with the Marlins, shouldn't get traded. He's just a player that at full, at full capacity, completely healthy. This guy was one of the best players in the, on the Marlins two years ago in 2018, 2019 had his best seasons, took a dip in 2020 shortened season, 2021, a lot of injury issues, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see Brian Anderson play right field. I know, I think on the Miami Herald article, it was said that that was an option Mm -hmm. putting him back in right field. He was incredible, incredibly defensively. This guy, I think that was a year he went for gold glove. He finished as a finalist. I think it was for third base, not the right field position. He was third. It was third. Yeah. This guy's a gold glover, or, or, or almost gold glover, but yeah. man, Brian Anderson's a good player, and and he knows Lone Depot Park in and out. He's been there for a long time. 
because Lone Depot Park is one hard baseball park to hit in. You know, Giancarlo Stanton could tell you, Justin Bohr could tell you, all these hard hitters could tell you that was a difficult ballpark to hit in. And Brian Anderson's made it work. You know, he's really good. Definitely should stick on the Marlins. A contract extension is what what is needed. Kim said she wanted to meet, meet, get to know him more. I think that Mm -hmm. was the response she said. Mm -hmm. She's gotten to know him a little bit because he's barely played. But man, Brian Anderson could be one good player at, at completely healthy, and especially he could play right field at an elite level. Brian Anderson's a lock on the 2022 Marlins. I'd be very shocked if I see Joey Wendell start over him, unless injuries obviously linger him still. Yep. Uh, you called it out. This this Brian Anderson situation is very intriguing. Very, very intriguing for many reasons. When I look at where we're up to with BA, the injury concern, I mean, he was hurt a couple of times last year, and obviously the shoulder ended up ending his season, and thus he's gone and had some yeah. surgery. Let's assume that he's he's back and full go for 22. Two years of control on BA, so it's this year and yeah. next year. You know, so they have time. They don't have, you know, he's earning five million this year. Let's say his final RB year, he has a good year, maybe in seven million next year or something in RB. I don't know, whatever the number is. So the Marlins don't have to pull the trigger on this right now. And BA isn't young. He's gonna be he's gonna be through 30 by the time he's ended his his control years, mm-hmm. and. I, I think there's a a really, in, like, it felt like we were looking for anyone to be paid. BA at the point was like one of the, the main players. He had been one of the main players for the Marlins, but I feel like it's, and he's, he's an above average hitter. BA's a good hitter for sure. And he is an elite defender. Absolutely. So my gut feel is with BA that he ends up seeing out his two years of control with the Marlins and that mm-hmm. that'll be it. I I actually get the sense that an extension may not happen, and I, I, it's just a gut feel that they they just kind of use the control, and then he becomes a free agent at kind of age. You know, he's almost thirty one at that stage, and you know, the Marlins move on. I guess I don't know. And then that's why it makes a lot of sense to possibly even trade him. You yeah, get it does. Jose Ramirez or a Matt Chapman, you. Could- you could kind of get some kind of extension maybe with Matt Chapman. He He's getting up there in age at some point. Jose Ramirez, he's only 29. He's not. He's going to ask for big-time money. He's playing like a big-time money player. He's on, a, I think, one-year one $12 million deal, something like that. Uh, two. Two 12s. So he's got two years of control, J-Ram. Yeah. But the problem is, this is the problem with J-Ram. That he's not getting extended by the Marlins. Absolutely saying. not. Not a chance in hell. So you're not extending him. So you get two years at 12 mil, which is fine. Um, but at the same time, you're not you're not extending him. So that's the window. That's the window. That's to the win. window. They want to win 2022, 2023. You go all in. You say, all right. Uh, who is it? Max Meyer for for J Ram and whoever else. Go ahead. I'm trying to win a World Series these next years, and mm-hmm. then you could focus maybe on the farm system after you win one or something like that. But highly unlikely. I I see Matt Chapman more of a possibility, especially mm-hmm. since Oakland's going into a full blow up rebuild type. They thing. are. Yeah. And. And they're going to want anything at this point. And if you offer them Dax Fulton, who would be, I guess, the centerpiece of that deal, they're, they're going to do it. 100% they'll do it. They get a, a pitcher, which they, they need, and they'll probably trade Frankie Montes as well. So makes sense. And then you get Nick Nider as one that deal, who I think I also included in there. It, it just <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense. Nick Nider hasn't gotten the right opportunity with the Marlins because you have Jesus. I remember this perfectly. We did a Fish Stripes Live with Ethan when, when he was still with us. And he just started writing names down. 
it was like 12, 15 pitchers on the roster. This was before Starlin Marte trade. So there was not even Luzardo. Hmm. So yeah, trading Brian Anderson is actually a great idea. You could possibly get Matt Chapman out of it. It would be more of the prospects that would make that happen than BA, but adding an MLB player who's proven himself was a gold glove finalist at some point throughout his mm. career. A good hitter overall, although this wasn't his best season, 2018, 2019. He was the best Marlin on the team, easily. Yeah. And he's shown experience at right another position. That that definitely would make the minor league system co- cost get go, get lower. So you would have to give up a Nick Nader, who's technically a top 30 prospect in the league still, or in, on the Marlins system. You give up Dax Fulton who's going to be your best pitcher probably in the minor league system or top two, top three. And then finally, you give up Nassim Nunez, who's shown the incredible speed he has. This guy's a D Gordon that could hit. <laughs> that, that's what I see, a D Gordon that could hit. And, yep. and it's really good. So definitely good look to trade BA there. But if you decide to keep him, you definitely need to get some kind of contract extension because you can't hurry up Khalil Watson. You can't hurry up Jose Salas and Nassim Nunez. Mm. Or Cody Morris said, I don't want to hurry those guys up too much. So definitely makes sense to to maybe keep BA, BA at the same time. It'll give the minor league guys some some time to develop, which I really want to see Jose Salas in the big leagues on the Marlins uniform. So yeah, another reason why not to trade BA. It's a tough one because there's a there's a lack of depth knocking around a third base just at the particularly at the well across the minors in general. To be fair, but particularly the upper levels of the minors, there is no. There is no BA replacement right now. I mean, Joey Wendell can obviously play there, but at the same time, that'll there's probably no... be where we see him most at third. I think so too. So yeah, and I think it's a good insurance policy, Wendell, for BA. And at the same time, as you've already called out, I think Craig Mish called this out as well to say that the vibe that he got was Wendell hasn't been acquired as a, a as like a role player or no. you know a, a a backup guy. He's he's been acquired to start, which then takes you down the line of. What does that mean for BA? And actually, do they look to move him this offseason? Maybe they do. Maybe. I mean... Maybe maybe they even get that reliever they very much need. I use third base as an option because you need a replacement. But you could obviously look at it in the eyes of, let's get Craig Kimbrough, for mm-hmm. example, or, yeah. or whoever it is in that relief market because they're excellent relievers. Yeah. But BA is definitely going to be a big trade chip if it comes to that point. And Joey Wenz is an all-star. He was an all-star player last season. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Marlins had to give up value in Cam Meisner, unfortunately, because I really liked Cam Meisner. I think he could have been the center fielder for the Marlins. I think that's where he was. So it, it made a lot of sense to not trade Meisner. And, I, and I'll always remember that that live stream. I wasn't there, but Alex just went crazy about that trade, man. It, it, was, it was hilarious. You know, Alex Marlins Meisner. It, it, was, it was crazy. It was, he wasn't happy. He likes Meisner, right? So, I mean, oh, he loves him. He loves him. He thought he was better than, you know, I don't think he said that personally, but I think we had the vibe that he was better than Blade. And at, mm-hmm. the, at that moment, before the Arizona Fall League stuff, I think he was maybe one of the more pure hitter, the most pure hitter in the minor league system for the mm-hmm. Marlins. That guy was going to be really good. But unfortunately, yeah. it didn't seem like anytime soon he was going to come up. So they made the move and they acquired it. It would not play. I'm, I was all for that deal in some ways because. The reality is they've signed Avi Garcia to four years. They mm-hmm. have Jesus Sanchez, you know, he's in year two. They're going to sign someone else to play in the outfield. All of a sudden, Cam Meisner's mm-hmm. route becomes blocked. You go and get actually at the infield depth that we need in Joey Wendell, an all-star. You've ended up giving Cam Meisner for, for two years of an all-star infielder. For me, yeah. when you sit back, you go, that's a great deal for the Marlins. Great deal for the, you know, maybe great deal for the race. Depends on what Meisner is, but I... I understand 
why you know it's always tough to send good prospects away but you've just acquired an all-star from the the, the year that's just ended with mul- multiple years of control they're hard to acquire so i, I like the deal and, and another I, name we haven't even mentioned on the outfield market jorge soler eddie rosario jock peterson there you go the, the, the braves outfield is available right yeah at least one of them is going to stick with the Braves, and I think it'll be Jock. But Jorge mm. Soler is a World Series MVP. That guy could mash. Cuban guy, mm. very well known in Miami. I think probably has family down here in Miami. I would assume. Yep. So it's a perfect fit, and probably one or two years, twenty-five million maybe, around that area. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. But he had an incredible 2019 season. 2020 took off a huge dip as well as 2021 until <laughs> yeah. he came to the Braves. There's always that highlight against him when the Marlins hitting an absolute bomb. Same thing with Avi Garcia. I don't know if you've seen it. In 2019, he may have hit the hardest home run ever. Danny Alvarez was telling us that guy could mash it. And especially in Lone Depot Park at the time was Marlins Park. He mm-hmm. hit it over, I think it was past the uh, the sculpture at the time when it was put. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was chatting to someone else recently, uh, Matt Williams. We were talking about Jazz Chisholm, but at the end of the episode, he said yeah. to me, FYI, the guy you've just acquired, Avi Garcia, there is no one who hits baseballs harder than him. So yeah. look out for him. You're going to enjoy him. So, But that's the point. It's the point going back to Meisner is he's blocked in the outfield. So the Marlins move a good outfielder. They go and get an infielder that helps them now. There was too much. The infield last year was an absolute mess. Too much Isan. Too much of everyone. Too you much know. trash, we could say. Yeah, no just too, for them, but... too many guys that, that really were below average players um, at the major yeah. league level. So... I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. All right, Kevin Barral, we are out of time. Uh, we're way over time, but nevertheless, it's been a fun, fun conversation. For those that maybe, and I'd be shocked if this was the case, but for those that are wondering where they can find you on Twitter, that are following you right now, where can people find you on Twitter? Drop, let them know. You could follow me on Twitter at Kevin underscore Barral, B-A-R-R-A-L. I always get the, the question what my last name is spelled. So you could follow me there on Twitter and you could obviously, you know, find myself at fish stripes, fish stripes.com. You go to the masthead, you'll go to click on my profile, same name, and you can see all my articles. You could also check me out on the fish stripes podcast. We have me and Isaac Azut have our own podcast, fish stripes unfiltered, as well as the live streams every Wednesday, fish stripes. Um, we have the jeopardy, which is, which has been a success. I would say. Absolutely. So, thank you, Pete, for having me. I'm very honored. This is a great birthday present. So uh, I'm, I'm excited and I'm, and I'm very excited to hear this once it comes out. 100%. Happy birthday. What the hell? We haven't even celebrated your birthday. So there we go. Happy, happy birthday to you. Are you what are you now? 17? 17. 17. 17. Awesome. The, uh, just for reference, I'm the youngest in Fish Stripes. I think ever in Fish Stripes. So yeah, you, you can kind of see where I was going. Good, man. Well, happy birthday, brother. Great to have you on. And I hope you'll come back again soon. Absolutely. Go, go and check out. I mean, it. Everyone's following the Fish Stripes, guys. Everyone's watching the streams. I know it. But nevertheless, go and sync up with Kevin for sure on Twitter. Get him followed. And that's us, guys. That is, I guess, part one of hashtag Marlins Twitter Madness uh, in the books. We're going to be getting Isaac Azut in the mix. Mike B is going to be joining us. Hopefully, Jess Blaylock and Jeremy Tashe in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyeballs open on Twitter for when those will be dropping Pods will be dropping soon, soon, soon. No doubt about it. Plenty of plenty of Marlins baseball to get into. Hopefully some CBA positive updates. Um, so, Kevin, appreciate the time. To everyone else, we will be back. 
tomorrow on Friday, we are having a solo pod. So you've just got you've got me on the mic, and we are just going to be recapping the CBA. The CBA, what comes out of today's discussions, we're going to try and dig through that. I'm sure there will be some things filtering out about whether it was productive or not, whether it was over under seven minutes. So I'm going to dig into that tomorrow and try and understand what the key topics are in terms of what is unresolved, what maybe has been resolved or what has been proposed. I'm going to dig into that and see where we're up to. So, Kevin, once again, appreciate you uh, hopping on Locked on Marlins. And thanks, everyone, for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. Back tomorrow. 